Hey, while you're getting there, uh, the passage this morning we're going to start in at least is Isaiah 40. So go ahead and you can turn to Isaiah 40 if you would. Uh, if you're new here uh, and you have a device, we go through the uh, ESV, English Standard Version. So we're in week eight of our, of our fruitfulness series. And we're going to be talking about gentleness this morning. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit what we're talking about is a visible outworking of the invisible inworking of God's spirit in us. So in Galatians 5, as Paul is writing this letter to the church of Galatia, he gets to this point after he's kind of been yelling at them for four to five chapters. And he says, hey, I need you to keep in step with the fruit that the spirit has produced in you because in fact, you guys are people that have been saved and rescued and are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And this is the fruitfulness that's supposed to come out of you as evidence that that inward change has happened. And one of the fruits that he gets to in his list of nine fruits uh, is gentleness. And that's what we're going to be going over today. Man, um, that was a storm last week, wasn't it? Do you guys remember that? Are we already forgotten about the, the crazy storm that almost wiped out Ashland? I mean, it was, uh, I don't know that I've seen anything like that. And I know that some of you guys have suffered some damage, um, definitely in your, your houses, your basements. And um, so we can, we can chuckle about it a little bit, but for some of you, uh, this has been costly. This storm has been costly. And I'm not uh, a storm expert. You know me as your pastor. I'm not really an expert anything as I let you guys know about all the time. But here's what I do know about a storm. Um, it does not care what you think is the appropriate amount of water that it should rain down, right? It's not really concerned with your sad and ineffective rain gutters, right? A storm thinks that having a pool in your basement is a great idea, right? In fact, if this storm was a person, you probably would have asked it. You would have said, dude, can you just be a little more gentle? Do you have to come down this hard on us? Do you have to wreak this much havoc? We can handle a little bit of rain, but these Noah-like things that you're doing to us on Sunday night make it really difficult for us. When we lack gentleness, we are like a storm in other people's lives. We're kind of like our kids when they come into contact with their first pet, right? What do they want to do? What do they like to do? Well, they like to, to grab the animal's fur and they want to squeeze it as hard as they can. Why? Because kids are violent. They're violent creatures. That's why, right? But what do we say? What do we say in that moment, right? We say, be nice. That's what we say. We're teaching them to be gentle because these are fragile creatures that we have to care for and that we have to treat with some measure of love and respect. Unless you're a raccoon and those guys seem to be discriminated against in Ashland for some reason. Just saying, right? But I find it interesting that as much as we teach our kids to treat our pets with gentleness, we don't always apply that same treatment to, to other people, do we? We don't always apply that same treatment to family members and to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to our neighbors. We don't always see people as fragile creatures that need to be cared for with love and respect. This is what Jerry Bridges says to us about gentleness. He says, gentleness is illustrated by the way we would handle a carton of exquisite crystal glasses. 
It is the recognition that the human personality is valuable but fragile and must be handled with care. Now, all of you probably remember a time when you did something that all of us would like kind of stand back and go, wow, that was an amazing act of kindness, right? But you did it in such a way that it came off maybe as a little harsh or a little abrupt or a little disrespectful. And so in other words, the manner in which you showed the kindness, it kind of took away from the very act itself. And yet in scripture, in 1 Timothy 6.11, we're called to pursue gentleness. It says pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. It's interesting that gentleness would be in that list because if you're like me, you maybe have not thought a lot about gentleness in your life. Maybe you've even thought a lot more about some of these other fruits of the spirit, right? You thought, oh man, I know I need to work on my patience, right? I know that sometimes I'm not as loving as I want to be. I know that I struggle with joy. I know that my life lacks peace. And then we just kind of fade out by the time we get to gentleness. It's not something we think a lot about. It's not something we're incredibly self-aware of in terms of what we're told to pursue here in scripture. So this morning, that's what we want to do. We want to look to the gentleness of God and we want to look at the way Jesus treated others to know what we are called to be and to practice. So let's look to the gentleness of God. Isaiah 40, and I'm going to jump around um, here a little bit with some of the passages. I'm going to start with verse 10, and this is what it says. It says, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arms and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And then turn with me to verse 15, where it says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. And then move up with me to verse 25, where it says, To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So what do we see here just through these verses is the strength and the power and the might of the Lord. The nations are like dust, right? They're like a drop in the bucket. Nothing can stand in God's way. We are helpless before him. His sovereignty, his omniscience, nothing can be counted as equal to it. Nothing compares to it. God is holy. God is other, right? But then Isaiah speaks of another aspect of God's strength, and it's his gentleness if we go back to verse 11. Look what it says. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I mean, you look at that and you go, is he talking about the same guy right now? What we see here is that God's strength is not diminished by his gentleness. They're both part and parcel of his nature. And you know what this does? This, this keeps us from misunderstanding God. And we talk about that a lot at the church, don't we? Like our view of God and our opinion of God and our feelings about God um, as compared to what the Bible actually tells us God is like, right? 
So this keeps us from, again, misunderstanding God, which is that he can never for a moment cease to be all that he is. I mean, we can, I can, we can one moment, we can be strong and gentle, and the next moment we can be cowardly and we can be heavy-handed at the same time. But God in his strength, we're told here in Isaiah, is also a strong shepherd who is so gentle in nature that he carries us when we are at our weakest and our most vulnerable. Melissa Martin, maybe some of you have heard of her, but she made this quote to me this week. She said, God moves at the speed of our frailty. God moves at the speed of our frailty. She needs to write a book, obviously. What an amazing line, but that really that really spoke to me. God moves at the speed of our frailty. And that's what Isaiah is saying here in verse 11. So for those times when you feel like you need to show strength, right? For those times that you, oh, theologically minded man or woman, need to be resolute in your beliefs and you have your fist up and you need to stand for what is true. And by the way, you have those moments, right? I'm, just, I'm not just being flippant with those moments. Remember something. Remember that God's strength never obstructs his gentleness. What is great strength? Well, it's understanding that the weakness of others is a lot like your weaknesses. It's remembering that the gentleness you've been given by God is yours to return to those who are slow to learn like you and me. Proverbs 15.1 reminds us a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So strength and gentleness, they're not opposed to one another. They're not opposites. They're complementary. In fact, strength without gentleness, I mean, we might define that as brutality in some ways. But we don't see that when we look at the way God is portrayed here in the book of Isaiah. So we want to look to the gentleness of God and understand what God has for us in the way that he treats us so that then we can extend that kind of strength-driven gentleness to others. Does that make sense? So we want to look to the gentleness of God. Secondly, we want to look to the way Jesus treated others. Let's turn to Matthew 11. I want to make a hard right there and go into the New Testament Matthew 11. I'm going to pick up in verse 28. Many of you have heard this verse. We probably quote this verse a lot, so we're going to do it again right now. This is what it says in verse 28. Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then Jesus goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we look at verse 11 from Isaiah 40, and then we look at the way Jesus describes himself for all of those who would come to him, we see that, well, Jesus is God. 
And so all of these characteristics that apply to God also apply to Jesus as the second person in the Trinity who was God in the flesh. And we get a picture here of what's going on inside the heart of Jesus in the way that he treats others and calls and beckons others to come to him. We see it all the way through scripture. Right? Remember the story of the rich young ruler in Mark 10, this kind of arrogant guy that comes up and says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of lays out some things and the ruler says, hey, I'm doing all those things. I'm keeping all those laws. I'm justifying myself. Come on, give me, some, give me something else, Jesus. Tell me what's lacking in my life. And it says that Jesus looked at this guy, this arrogant guy, this guy that had bad theology. And he said he looked at him and he loved him. And again, he doesn't come out harshly or abruptly against this dude with all of his horrible theology. But he looks at him, he loves him, he answers him directly, but he does it with kindness and with gentleness. An arrogant man with bad theology. Remember in John 4 when Jesus has this confrontation with the woman at the well and he just starts unpacking her life and she is just blown away by the fact that he knows that at this moment she uh, has had five different husbands and the man that she's currently with is not her husband and this is a woman that had probably been through a lot of just very extreme situations and circumstances that had shaped her life with men that had not been incredibly gentle with her, with a lot of people that had not treated her incredibly kind because they knew of her reputation. And what do we see Jesus do? We see Jesus just talk so kindly to her, so gently with her, showing her grace and mercy. And what happens to this woman? Well, she literally is so stunned and her heart is so changed that she runs back into the village and says, you got to meet this man who knew everything about me. So the way Jesus treats others, interestingly enough, is not just based on the fact that he knows everything about them and treats them accordingly to all of that horrible information, but he treats them kindly and gently regardless of that information. Remember John 21, remember Peter? Remember after Peter denied Jesus, Jesus dies, he rises again, and Peter just is no doubt in this funk, right? Because at some point he's heard that Jesus has risen from the dead and he's gonna have to face Jesus. So he goes out fishing and he looks across the water and there Jesus is on the shore cooking up some breakfast, right? What does Peter do? He swims across the shore. He faces Jesus for the first time. And Jesus says, Peter, it is crazy that you denied me. We need to chat. Well, that's not what he says. In fact, Jesus doesn't say anything. He cooks him up some, some grub, right? The gentleness of Jesus, we see it all through the New Testament. Matthew 12, 20 tells us, a bruised reed about Jesus, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench. And what this tells us about Jesus is that when he spoke, his words were patient. They were understanding. They were full of love. They were always respectful of those who were fragile of faith, who were weak hearted and who had hurting spirits. 
And that doesn't describe anybody here today, except for the fact that it describes all of us here today who are fragile of faith, who are weak-hearted, and who have hurting spirits. I mean, were these people who Jesus dealt with living in ways contrary to what was right and true? Well, always. And unlike us, Jesus was the very embodiment of truth. Isn't it interesting that the one person who had the right to stand back and judge justly ends up treating others with love and understanding and remains patient and long-suffering with those who are fragile, with those who are fearful, with those who are faithless. Maybe that hasn't been you. Maybe you've had a friend who struggles under the weight of a besetting sin. And yet when you look and when you think now, you realize that you've treated them as if you've never struggled with anything. You forget how gentle Jesus has been with you and you're slow to repent of sin. Now, I know what some of you are, are thinking right now. You're saying this. You're saying, hold on. I want to move past this, Ronnie, as quickly as I can because that's not cozy, those words that you're throwing out there for me right now. You're asking this question. You're saying, does this mean we never use words of truth? Do we never use words with somebody that may wound them? Well, no. But when you need to use wounding words, those words when you're gentle and you treat others like Jesus, those words will come from a heart far more eager to restore than to rebuke. They'll come from a heart that remembers its own temptations. And isn't that gonna have a shaping effect on how it is that we treat others? Galatians 6.1, Paul tells the church, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Then he says this, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So Jesus had sharp words, but he really had sharp words for those who were leading others astray, not for those he was leading, not for those who had Jesus as their shepherd. So we looked at the gentleness of God and the way Jesus treated others to know what we are called to be and to practice. And I'm gonna give you a list from Jerry Bridges here because he provides us with a pro, kind of a profile for the gentle Christian. Now, full disclosure, um, I, I have a loud, I came from a loud family. Uh, on my dad's side, it's Portuguese. My mom's side is Italian. Um, you know, there was no time in any of their lives when they whispered anything. You know, if I can just be straight about that, right? Um, in fact, you know, if, you're, if you've ever been a part of an Italian family, you know very well that, you know, they just, they communicate by yelling. In fact, when they stop yelling, it's when you know something is really wrong, when they go silent, right? So I grew up in a very, very loud family. Yelling was how we talked. Treating each other with gentleness, man, that, I mean, that was just not heard of. That was never practice. That wasn't even understood, right? What was understood was that you needed to stand your ground with family members specifically, right? So when we talk about what it means to be a gentle Christian, to know what we are called to be and to practice, if you're like me, you might have a background 
or a family of origin of which gentleness was the last thing on anybody's heart and you experienced it maybe less than anything else. I know I, know I did. And I know that's why for some reason, man, God has just literally crushed me with this, with gentleness, because I've realized how much of a lack of it there's been in my life. So this has been a really good week for me to dive into this, to study this. But here's, here's a profile for the gentle Christian. That's what Jerry Bridges tells us, number one. He says, gentle Christians seek to make others feel at ease and restful in their presence. He says, we should not be so strongly opinionated, uh-oh, or dogmatic that others are afraid to express their opinions and ideas. Wait, you mean there might be a moment where I shouldn't say everything that I think about something at all times? That's what Jerry's saying. Correct. We make others feel at ease and restful in our presence too. Gentle Christians will demonstrate respect for the personal dignity of others. He said, we will seek to change a wrong opinion by persuasion and kindness, not domination or intimidation. Boy, that's good, isn't it? When we feel unsettled because somebody has an opinion that doesn't fall in line with what we think is true or right, it seems like our first thought is to say, hey, I want to intimidate you into thinking, into receiving, to accepting what I believe instead of being persuasive and kind. Three, gentle Christians avoid blunt speech and in an abrupt manner. Instead, we seek to answer everyone with sensitivity and respect, showing consideration toward all. Just telling it like it is, just saying, right? How many times do we say that? How many times is that said to us? And how many times when somebody says, hey man, just telling it like it is, do we go, oh, thank you. That was incredibly helpful and kind and I'm now receiving everything that you have to tell me and can I just like buy you something, you know? How often does that happen? I would say um, approximately zero times, right? We want to avoid blunt speech. We want to avoid an abrupt manner. Do you see how these things are, are practiced? Right? These are not just tips, but these are a way of being that we now have the power to practice because of who? Because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Number four, gentle Christians will not feel threatened by opposition or resent those who oppose them. I can't be friends with him. I had somebody tell me once, I found a, had a, had a brother years ago and I said, hey, I, I think he moved to a new town. I said, I think I have a good church for you. I go, really solid preacher, um, really good community. And he said to me, he goes, I can't go to that church. I said, why? He said, because I know I'm going to disagree with something that that preacher says. And I said, really? I, I, you, because you're going to disagree with one thing, maybe, that that preacher says? I mean, if, that, if, if, that, if I applied that to myself, like there would be zero people sitting in these chairs right now, <laughs> including my wife. Right? So a gentle Christian puts his hope and his trust in the one that treats him gently and doesn't feel threatened by opposition, right? Because in the end, they're not really our opponents, are they? There's a spiritual opposition that the Bible tells us we need to be a little more aware of. 
than people in our lives. And then five, and finally, gentle Christians will not degrade. They will not belittle. They will not gossip about a brother or sister who falls into some sin. Instead, they'll grieve for them. Instead, they'll pray for their repentance. So sometimes we don't understand that something like belittling somebody or gossiping about somebody, how much that lacks gentleness, but it's abrasive. It's actually seeking to puff ourselves up than it is to care for and to grieve for and to pray for somebody who might be caught in a sin that we, by the way, are only 1.2 millimeters away from, right? And let me add this. General Christians are not passive in nature. So we don't want to misunderstand what's being said here, right? In other words, a lack of gentleness can also be quiet and cold. It can kind of look like withholding kindness. It can look like withdrawing care because we feel a person has done nothing deserving of it. Instead, a gentle Christian walks humbly and gently with others. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul tells us, he says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you. He's telling the church, this is us, supplies to us too. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says, look, there is one body there is one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So remember who it is that you are being gentle or not practicing your gentleness with, especially as it pertains to your family of faith, sons and daughters of God that were called by his gentleness. When I learned how to ride a bike, my pops took off my training wheels at some point, it was a big day, um, and ran with me around the block with his hand on my, on my seat, right? Maybe you guys have experienced that, you've done that. Maybe if you're a kid this morning, maybe you have an image of that where your dad or your mom is running behind you with the hand on the seat. You feel like you're riding, but in actuality, they're holding you up, they're guiding you. Now, the first time he let go, I crashed. Thank you, dad. Um, what's interesting is that he didn't get mad. Now, I, my dad, I've told you about my dad many times. He was a short-tempered ex-sailor, you know, uh, lacked a little gentleness. How shall I say it, Right? But when he was teaching me how to ride my bike and he let go and I crashed, he didn't get angry. He wasn't like, seriously, man, I took you halfway around the block. Shouldn't you know how to balance this thing by now? I mean, what's it going to take? We've been out here for 43 seconds. That's not what he did. He was gentle. He picked me up helped me back on the bike, and he started running around the block with me again, hand on seat. Do you see that everyone you treat with godly, gospel-infused, Jesus-generated gentleness is learning just like you? Just like you. They're wobbly. They fall easily. They still haven't figured out their balance. 
Sometimes they hit a curb. Maybe we need to reflect on the ways that God has been gentle with us and pray that his gentleness would come through us like a hand of help or like a mind of understanding when we're dealing with others. Others who are unsteady, others who are still learning, others who are thinking wrongly about some things, others who are trying to understand how to walk with Jesus just like you. Maybe as a first step, we could all show gentleness as we leave today to a friend or a family member by repenting of maybe a moment where we lacked gentleness to them. Maybe there was a moment in their life that instead of being gentle, we just added to the storm. We were just like another bolt of lightning that came down into their lives rather than somebody who said, let me provide you with shelter because gentleness feels like shelter to us when we feel like that we're going through a particular storm in life. Paul Tripp makes this comment. He says, no one gives grace better than the person who is deeply persuaded that he needs it himself or herself. Now listen, the gospel is the story of Jesus being treated with violence so that we might receive the gentleness of God. Think about that. A pursuit of gentleness, well, it begins by acknowledging that the manner in which we treat others matters. Why does it matter so much? Well, because God treats us in a way that matters most to him and it's gentle. Imagine a church who led with this kind of gentleness. And like I said at the beginning, I've experienced your gentleness to me. I've experienced your humility towards me. And it has been like shelter in a storm at certain times in my life. I think if we acknowledge this, if we pray about this, we stay mindful about this, God will grow us in this particular fruit. And more than that, Jesus will be gentle with us as we grow in our gentleness toward others. Because he has gentleness for us even when we aren't incredibly gentle and we need to grow in the very things that we're already receiving from him. This is the good news. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your gentleness and your strength in our lives, that though we see your power and your might and your sovereignty and your holiness, we also see that you are like a shepherd that waits for us and cares for us and carries us. So Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus being treated with violence so that we might receive your gentleness instead of your wrath for our sin. What an amazing truth, Lord, just to reflect and pause on that for a second.
Lord, we thank you that you don't treat us as we deserve to be treated, but your gentleness comes from the strength of your grace and your steadfast love. So thank you, Lord, for that kind of kindness that we receive from you. And Lord, for those of us who are in desperate need of that kindness and gentleness, who have found themselves in situations where they've been with people that have showed them anything but gentleness, Lord, we pray that you would reach into their hearts now, you would speak to them clearly, Lord, you would fill them with a hope that you are gentle, you are a kind shepherd, you are one that carries us through our doubts and our unbelief and our sin and our lack. Lord, show us your gentleness today again as we endeavor to show it to others, we pray in Christ's name. Together we said, amen.